Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. It's motherfucking dark Disney March. Woo! We've been playing this motherfucker since like 2021 started and we're like dark Disney, dark Disney. Four of these movies, well, three of the four movies came up. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that. We just spit them out just like that. And the fourth one came soon after that. And like, we're, we're good. And then we started looking, going, it, are, are these watchable? Can we watch these somewhere? <laughs> right. Are we going to be able to find these things? We knew Return to Oz, which we're covering today, was available on Disney+. Plus. It was everything else we weren't sure about. Right. It's funny because it was the one that I knew was on Disney+. Plus. And also, you know, it is available, but it's hard to get DVD because I think it's out of print. It's uh, It was an Anchor Bay release and i think there's a blu-ray too right yeah. a disney blu-ray but yeah. other than that the the other three jesus man i was worried yeah you have to assume the encode used for the, for the disney blu-ray is probably the same encode that we get with with the disney plus which is yeah. pretty damn good yeah man i mean i was shocked by the colors and the depth you know where she's in the forest you know when she first gets to oz and there's that her, her standing under that lunch pail tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's really deep and rich. I was like, wow. Yeah. It, Man, it, I don't know that I've ever seen it look this good. I mean, it's, it's a grainy movie at times. And that has a lot to do with a lot of the optical effects in moments. It's, it's very inconsistent because like I said, there's lots of layered optical effects and it just gets grainier the more you do it. But the, this movie was made in 1985. So of course it was well, more than more 84 and in 85. But it has that that vibe from the eighties. By the way, can we get the fuck out of eighty five? I mean, do we? It's, we have no. a quota to do so many nineteen eighty five movies every year. Yeah. yeah, man, we do. We have to do. We have to do at least four a year. So we, yeah, we have to do four a year. So this is the one for the first quarter. Here's the first one. Well, no, we already did stick. Here's the second one. <laughs> Maybe it's six times a year. That's it. Right. Every two months. There we go. Every two months. Return to Oz is. It's kind of an amalgam of two of the Oz books, Marvel's Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. Right. And uh, both came out in the early 1900s, 1904, 1907. I've read all the books. I knew all the books like the back of my hand. We talked briefly before we turned on the mics about how the books used to be when we get like our Hardy Boys books or, you know, the Nancy Drew books where they had that fabric cover because they were built to last. Right. And that's how my Oz books were. They were all like that. They weren't super cool but they had bitch and artwork screen printed right on the fabric covers oh yeah so good and like you noted before we got on mike was how the characters in the movie look compared to the original covers dude they're so spot on yeah 
I know people are going to look at it and go, wow. This doesn't look like the Scarecrow. Exactly. This doesn't look like the Tan Man. And I'm like, well, guess what? That's not Burt Lahr. If <laughs> you've seen any covers of the Wizard of Oz book, and they then look you already like, know this. Yeah, if they look like the, or if you've seen covers that don't look like the characters of Return to Oz, and they look more like the musical Wizard of Oz, that's because it's just some, you know, some form of where publisher says it needs to look more like the movie because people are familiar right. with that. It's funny because you look at, there's some that are drawn and the, you know, Dorothy looks like a cartoon Judy Garland. Yeah. You know? And those are obviously after the film came out. I mean, the one like, the, like you're talking, the ones that I had are, were similar to the, what you had and they were non-film related down to the last detail, the covers, none of it. You know, and I don't believe that there's any book that really, even the wizard, is there even a, is there even a, I, I got to look this up. Is there a book even called the Wizard of Oz? Because I feel there's not. It's it, the wonderful Wizard of Oz is what it's called. Right. And that came out in 1900. What's so cool about the movie, the stories inside the Wizard of Oz, the, uh, the whole series of Oz books, they, they all, they're all precursor to the turn of the century. So. The fact that the book didn't come out till the first book didn't come out until 1900 is was kind of like being a little prophetic in a way. I forgot how many books there were because I always went back to the same books. Right. You know, I always watched, I always read the first four or five. But I think the, the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz is a little bit more what you're, because you get an amalgam of the wonderful Wizard of Oz and Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, the two books, when you see the musical. This one, just like with the first, the original musical, it, it's an amalgam of two books as well. Right. But no, there was like, the, the word wizard is used in like, I think three or four books, something like that. Right. But yeah, I remember, but it's always the something wizard. It's not like, it's just not like the Wizard of Oz brought to you by <laughs> MGM. Well, yeah, I mean, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz is the only time that it's ever right. like just flat out Wizard of Oz. The musical incorporated a lot of, the different titles into some of the songs that just to kind of right. pay homage to bomb and everything. But Ozma of Oz is the one book I had or that I would go to like once every couple of months. It's so good. I talked before about the show you that's on Netflix. It's a super creepy, you know, show, you know, stalker voyeurism kind of thing. If you see it, you know what I'm talking about, but in the first season of the show, he runs a bookstore like a, you know, a new bookstore, but it's also, they got old books too. And he steals a first edition of Ozma of Oz from somebody's house. <laughs> and I was always like, so enchanted by how cool that was. I'm like, out of all the, out of all the Oz books he takes, he takes the one that I read the most. Right. I thought that was really cool. It is the most intriguing. It is the most ambitious. It is the most different, like, because people hear Wizard of Oz, they think of the movie. Right. They don't think of the fact that there's a dozen plus books. Nope. This, to me, is more of a love letter to Mr. To Bomb. Bomb and the Yeah, absolutely. Did. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the first movie, obviously. It's a classic. But this, when I was 15, I was like, this is like a horror movie, man. Yeah. Um, it really is, dude. I want to say this movie, I think I said it before, is as freaky and scary to me as Exorcist 3. Dude. <laughs> There are moments in this movie that no horror movie can even come close to. Right. Visually. I think I texted you about, I don't know, seven or eight minutes into the movie. If your only flavor and your only exposure to the whole Oz world 
is the movie for Judy Garland. Andy M is a sweet woman that's always calling for her. Right. But here's my interpretation of that Auntie M that's inside. You know what's funny? That is the Disney Auntie M. It's so weird, right? Because it wasn't a Disney movie. But that is like your Disney. <laughs> well, here's my take on it. She, I don't think M was really calling for her. I always felt the Wicked Witch did the fuck with Dorothy. Yeah. I'm with you. you yeah. know, you're talking about when the witch is like showing her in the crystal ball and yeah, she's like, yeah. Dorothy, Dorothy, yeah. come home. We miss you, Dorothy. So it's like one of the things I've, that's really great about the Oz books. And there's just, something that's very true to it as far as, and if you see the musical, you know, the witch gets done in by water. And I won't give away if you haven't seen Return to Oz or if you forgot how it ends, because I forgot how it ended. It's one of those everyday things that changes everything. Yeah. You know, that, that saves the day. Nope. We, we talked briefly about how the movie looks. It, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects. Yeah, well, I mean. I, it lost the cocoon. <laughs> weirdly enough. Right? Um, and I like cocoon, but I got to say, I mean, uh, what if you look at this and you look at cocoon, I feel like there was a lot of hate toward this movie for some reason. Yeah. Like, how dare you do this to Oz? Yeah. The all-powerful Oz. <laughs> so messed up. We talked about uh, for the beginning about how the first seven or eight minutes are as dark as anything in the rest of the, rest of the entire movie of Wizard of Oz. It, it starts off with Auntie M and Uncle Henry just kind of like always side-looking at Dorothy. Right. Well, we're picking up right after right. the first movie, right? She's back. The new house, they're building the new house. Right. The old house is gone and they're, you know, the other one's partially finished. Now that is something that's very much part of the book series. Because when you see the musical that everybody's so fun, I'm going to keep referring to that because I'm trying to like hit the point home, how loyal to the books this movie is. Because the house in Wizard of Oz is still in Oz. Yes. But if you've seen the movie Wizard of Oz, the house is still in Kansas. But And Dorothy's just having a fevered dream. Right. And in this one, they're still building, they're still rebuilding the house. And this is exactly how it is in the book. But M and Henry are like, Henry, not so much. Uncle Henry's okay. But our, our, our favorite, Matt Clark. Yeah, Matt Clark. It was like, Susie showed up and I'm like, going, man, I haven't watched this movie in a good 20 years. Easy. And I was pleasantly surprised and to, to be reminded that, that our man and Matt is in this movie and he's great in it. And I wish he was in it more. It's not called Uncle Henry. No, Uncle Henry's <laughs> not in the movie, in the story much. Anyway, even combined with the two books. Right. But they think Dorothy's crazy. <laughs> well, right. They think she's, you know, there's something wrong with her because she hasn't slept since the tornado. And, you know, she's making up these crazy stories about talking lions and scarecrows and witches. And they're like, what the fuck is going on with our little girl? Yeah. Which, if you think about it, all that in itself is right out of a horror novel, dude. Like, yeah. what, what happened to her? Now she's, you know, is it a demon? Is this the exorcist? Is she possessed by a demon? What the fuck is going on? Right. The story is, like, taking place, like, we were talking about right after, you know, what we experienced in Wizard of Oz. Not right after, but it's, this is the aftermath of it. And it's the, at the turn of the century, like I mentioned. This is, like, the in the fall. And which so shouldn't surprise anybody that there's a storm because that's the catalyst. The storm for is coming. There's a storm coming. But before then, what happens, man? Well, Andy M fucking loads up Dorothy and takes her off to 
take a field trip. <laughs> you see Uncle Henry. This is, this sums the, them up. Uncle Henry picks up the ad. Oh man! And see, you know, and dude, how that ad is like. I would never fucking even. <laughs> I would never taking my kid there. Fuck you, right? So there's an ad. He looks at it and he's like, "How? How can we afford this when we have no money?" My sister, and then Aunt M is just like, "We got to get these demons out of her." <laughs> you know, it's like, good lord. So they throw her ass in that wagon and. And dude, I said this before. I almost, I got kind of emotional when Toto oh gets the window open and chases the wagon, and he's chasing the wagon and barking, and she's got go home, Toto, and the dog just sits there, and then he starts howling. I'm <laughs> like, good god, dude, it's so messed up. And even down to the way Toto looks in this movie, he looks like the books. Like he doesn't look like the cute little terror. Right. I mean, he's still a cute dog, but he looks, they found a dog dude that looks exactly like the dog in the books. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. He, he, he's a rad dog. I love the wide shot. Yeah. Oh, man. You got some great work, you know, from cinematographer David Walken in this. The dude's got some experience in the game. You know, he's, he's done a few things, you know, he, uh, Robin and Marion to kind of give you an idea of the kind of movies he shoots. Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Yentl. One of our favorites we've talked about. The Hotel New Hampshire. Right. The same year that he did Return to Oz also released White Knights. Yep. And he won an Oscar for Out of Africa. Yeah. I mean, look, man, they got some, there's some serious talent. Oh, and Freddie Francis was uncredited. Yep. Did he do that? I think he did some pickups and stuff like that. Yeah. The movie's directed by a man that you may be familiar with from the editing world. He's an Oscar-winning sound editor, an Oscar-winning feature film editor, and his name is Walter Murch. And he has a big supporting fan base from like the likes of Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas because very much like the, the group that you hear about in the Milius doc, of the Spielberg, Scorsese, John Milius, obviously. That whole group, this was the this was the guy. This was like the fifth Beatle almost. Right. <laughs> you know, he was this guy that everybody used. There was a weird thing. There was a change in the guard too with Disney. And then so like a lot of times with with, with projects that that, you know, when a new person, new executive comes in, sometimes houses get purged or at least departments get purged, but not with this. He was temporarily let go, and then he was brought back on after pleading from Coppola. He ended up going ahead. And this was all before they went into production, so that's what that's the thing we should point out, too. It wasn't like production got shut down or anything like that. Right. But Walter Murch is a man who's got the most—he has an amazing eye. His amazing eye works with his ears perfectly. His his sound work is just— Yes. Again, the, some of the, the sound, like things I told you I noticed, like watching it, and I've seen this movie a dozen times at least. Was is the wheels the yeah. the uh, you know the, the gurney going down the hall? The squeak of the wheels, which we hear later in Oz as the squeak of the wheelers. Right. And it you know it, it it and just like in the Wizard of Oz, they do that you know where we, we meet these characters in Kansas, mm -hmm. and then they're all populating Oz. Right. Which just further confuses people. <laughs> like, is this real? Right. You get more of that, like in the books, than you do in the musical. Right. With this, you, I mean, it's all about how Dorothy perceives her life. Right. In the two worlds. And just like the original, uh, sorry, the original theatrical one. See, this is a weird one, I too, when we talk about like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in the books. Yeah. You know, to me, I'm, I'm always loyal to the books, just like I am loyal to these books. Right. And say what you want about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Tim Burton one, 
there's so many elements that were unique to the books that were never touched on in the musical for Willy Wonka. And I have a, a massive adoration for that because that was, to me, that meant a lot. I get that a ton in this movie because of my love for the whole Oz series. This really is the best adaptation of Wizard of Oz, period. Yep. Of anything from the Oz world. I agree. And like you pointed out, the key to the whole Oz series is the comparable between our world and Oz and the things that translate almost like it's an alternate universe. And Walter and his team sell that perfectly. I don't, I'm super bummed that when I watched it, I get to the end of it, heck, multiple times throughout the movie I'm watching going, man, I wish more people would see this. I'm glad it's on Disney Plus now because they got tens of millions of subscribers. And that means that you have tens of millions of people waiting to watch the movie that have never seen it before. Right. Because based on the box office, <laughs> they haven't. Yeah, this movie, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, again, it's so... It's so dark, man. I mean, I mean, I was 15 when I saw it and there were things that, you know, fucking scared the shit out of me yeah. at 15. You know, can you imagine, imagine taking Joey at like 10 years old to see this, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> right? It, dude, the the whole fucking, the dude, like I said, the, the, the beginning of the movie, the first seven or eight minutes are super dark. And then yeah. what happens when, once Dorothy, you know, gets taken to this, Asylum? <laughs> no, dude. And it is uh, every bit an asylum. It's yeah. Do it. And then when they, they, they got her slapped down the gurney, Dorothy. Right. And they bust out the, the shock therapy. Dude, those were just headphones with the platters taken off and pieces of metal welded to them. Yeah. And I'm like going, oh my God, I totally forgot about this. Cause it's, right. And the thing about the about the turn of the century, like that, this is the kind of shit that they would do. Right. They they thought this was a solution. Yeah, man. It's silent. You know, it, it it's electroshock therapy, man. It's a real fucking thing. But to put that on kids. Yeah. Well, dude, here's the thing. If that doesn't work, the next step is lobotomy. <laughs> Just Oh, we're going to crack and, your skull open next. And you know what I think really helps this movie? I mean, not I mean, not that it needs any help being dark and creepy because it, it, the source material is. But the fact that Farisa Balk is 10 years old. Right. And this is her first screen role too. Right. And you see, I mean, the thing about when I think about Judy Garland, who's probably was like, what, almost 30 <laughs> when she played Dorothy. But I mean, you're seeing this happen to a child and there's no doubt in your mind. It's not like, oh, hey, it's going to be, that is a kid, man. Yeah. And you're seeing that, you know, when she gets strapped down, they wheel her into that room and the doctor and, and the nurse are standing over her and the lightning is happening outside. And, and we're getting those beautiful flashes of lightning on the, um, on the machinery. Right. And it, yeah. dude, it go, it's straight out of fucking universal harm. Movie, right. right. Dude, it, it's, you may as well be in, in Frankenstein's lab, the way that yeah. the, in the, the occasional use of there's one moment. I shouldn't say occasional because it was just this one moment when they're in that room, you get this Dutch camera angle and it's just, and it's just, I mean, dude, it's just long enough to go, uh, for you to feel that, which, what Walter and David Walken want you to feel. And then they just stop using it. And it's right. And I think they probably shot more, but Walter being the amazing editor that he is, by the way, in the blink of an eye is his book. If you have any interest in movies at all, go buy it. You can get used for like seven or eight bucks. 
it'll be the best read about something that you didn't care about ever. Right. <laughs> Walter Murch, damn it. There's so much about this movie that it, like you noted, it just screams horror. The whole fucking thing. And more so than the dark aspects of the book series presents. Yep. But let's lean on Fruza Balk for a second. Again, 10 years old. Let's talk about how she interacts with inanimate objects, with animatronics, with people. Right. She's consistent throughout the whole thing. You know, she has no problem because she's 10. She's got a fucking imagination. Yeah, man. Right. You know, she's not, she's, she's not pushing 30. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. A Wizard of Oz is like, you know, she's interacting with humans that are in costume the entire fucking right. movie. The only thing that, even the monkeys got people inside of them. Right. With this, the wheelers, which are the monk, the flying monkeys in this movie, they're people. They're, she interacted. There's only two or three characters in the entire movie that aren't people. Yeah. Or she's directly interacting with people. Right. That That's the big difference, too, is how well she reacts with all of it. Oh, shit. The stop motion, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. Something that's not even there at all. Dude, like when she first starts talking to Belina the chicken. I mean, I got to, oh, you know, that gosh. chicken puppet is great. Oh, man. <laughs> that chicken <laughs> puppet rules. Yeah. We talked briefly about, about how much... I love, we do, we love this time when Creature Shop was doing stuff. Right. Labyrinth. Yes. Uh, Dark Crystal. It's like there's that whole period of time where, or a movie can get made just with Jim Henson being attached to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Bellina, holy crap, dude. Sometimes the scale can be off with these things. Right. And they weren't. Nope. When feruza has got her arm holding the real chicken, and then holding the animatronic chicken, there's times where I'm like, oh, which one is she holding right now? <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. No, I mean, and the the gump, the uh, the head of gump. Oh, man. And Jack. I yeah. mean, all the, and all the, dude, they're so endearing and so, and, but here's the, they're so odd and weird, man. Like you're getting the whole, like, my mama made me, I mean, it, it's weird shit. Right. If you're not familiar with the books, right. like if you're, if you're only familiar with the musical and I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing the musical cause I'm not, no. but everything's a little more straightforward there. This is the Oz <laughs> from the books where things are weird. Like TikTok, the army of Oz, right. <laughs> Who happens to look like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, you know, Jack, who, when I first saw Tim Burton's mm -hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas, I was like, fuck, man, they're just ripping off Return to Oz, was my first thought. Melody hadn't seen the movie since first run, since she was, since she was a kid. She goes, I was 10 years old or, or younger when I saw it last. And I'm like, okay. And so when we get to that point, and I was waiting for it, because, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas has become very much part of our lives since 93 when I saw it for the first run, but definitely in this house, it's part of, you know, we watch it multiple times between Halloween and Christmas. And when you, I was just waiting for her reaction about her not seeing it in a long time. I'm like, just waiting, just waiting. And then it hit her like when Jack gets his head, <laughs> she just goes, whoa. And she's like putting them back together, you know, right. Putting his leg, you know, tying his legs back and his arms back up. She just goes, Wow. And then I immediately paused the movie because I needed to know this. Because, you know, Burton spent some time with Disney before he ever made Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yep. And, but that was the same year that Return to Oz came out. I'm like, hmm. hmm. So 
But the thing is, let's talk about that. Jack looks like Jack is supposed to look. <laughs> Jack yeah. doesn't. Jack looks like the book. Jack looks like the book. But there's something I'm going to point out again, very much like between the Oz, you know, the 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 reality versus Oz, or the 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 world we know versus Oz. I don't want to say they're two different things other than alternate universes. When you see the pumpkin before she goes to the asylum. Right. Yeah. Oh, when the dead girl yes. <laughs> gives her the pumpkin. Yes. I have to say, I love the fact that they cut that jack-o'-lantern to look like yeah. John Carpenter's Halloween. Looks like the, it looks like they're doing exactly. I was going to I forgot about it until you just said it. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's like the night he came home. <laughs> so fucking good. Again, it just proves our point that the filmmakers knew what the playground they were working in. They knew where they were. Right. There's no question. And at that point in 85, what did we have? The the first movie and the second movie and then the third movie. That's it, right? We didn't yeah, have- Yeah, we, we, we hadn't gotten to the curse of Michael, or four yet. We hadn't gotten to the rebirth of Myers in the- in, in the, in until, the uh, until the later 80s, yet. right? Like 88? Yeah. Maybe. 86. 86, Fuck, I think. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The moment- you see this tiny little pumpkin and like jack-o'-lanterns cut out a certain way. And they don't like, as you say, they didn't make a meal of it. They didn't stay on it very long, but just long enough to go for me to go, Ooh. And I never noticed it before. That was the first time I caught it. Again, I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I was just like, fuck yes. And again, just shows you that Walter and everybody involved knew where they were. They knew the kind of movie they were making. They knew that this was a fucking horror movie. Right. And they're like, well, this is a horror movie for kids, if you will. <laughs> we said it's accessible to kids because it's not rated R. You know what this movie kind of reminds me of? And you, you might, this might either shock you or you're going to be like, fuck yeah. It, this reminds me of Night of the Hunter. Yeah. The, the kids and the sort of, you know, if you look at Night of the Hunter from the kids' point of view, mm -hmm. right? It's very much like an Oz kind of thing. <laughs> Well, it's been like this for years. A lot of people have leaned into the Oz framework. You know, you're always hearing about the the obvious re derivatives of Romeo and Juliet. They're always really clear. You know, forbidden love against two feuding families. Come on, it's, it's nothing new. Right. But I was halfway through Dogma when I realized, I'm like, this is fucking Wizard of Oz. Right. It was super weird. And then later on, Linda Friartino, like said, yeah, this is, she goes, I, she goes, I was making this movie and I realized it was Wizard of Oz in the making. And, and I'm like, I noticed it like, again, not right away, but it came quickly. And I wanted to point that the reason why I'm bringing it up is the fact that Kevin pays an homage to this movie because the monkeys essentially in this it, it, are the wheelers. Right. And in Dogma, where are they? There are the kids on inline skates. Yeah. Obviously, Kevin was paying an homage to Return to Oz as well as Wizard of Oz. Clearly, he, he enjoys the book series. There's no question about that. Sure. I mean, yeah, it, this movie is as weird in Oz, uh, you know, dogma, I mean, is is as Oz as, as you get. This, that, and uh, Wild at Heart are yes. more faithful to the Oz books than the original Wizard of Oz. Right. <laughs> if I'm being, you know. Right. And instead of saying that they're two different worlds, what both of those movies did, what David Lynch did and what Kevin Smith did, they brought Oz to us as opposed to right. us going to Oz. 
Yeah, that, sure. They're both, but that's this is the kind of impact those books had on people. Right. I mean, you know, you're like me. We, we you know, these are things that we, you know, back when they had like, I don't know if you remember Riff, Reading is Fundamental. Yes. Our cafeteria, they'd lay all these books out and you get to go in and you get to pick one book. And I think the first book I picked was probably Ozma of Oz or that's where I found it. That's where I found it. And then I had to get the rest of them, you know, and back in the day, there was no Amazon. There was no, no uh, you know, so you, I don't know where my, my, I don't know where my mom and dad found it, but I got it for Christmas, you know, it, it, and it was all the books wrapped together in a little box, you know, it, it was cool, man. They were like a, they were like a treasured thing until, you know, I, I think they may be, I think they got, you know, when I moved out to go to college, I think, you know, my parents got taken to the thrift store cause they figured I would never, and I'd love to have them now, but I, eBay. <laughs> <laughs> eBay. This movie, when you want to re revisit the books right away, right. I was just like going, oh man. Now I would love to go back and get the kind of books that we've talked about that we've been waxing poetic about of getting the fat band, you know, that stuff. <laughs> I can't imagine how much that would cost us. And I haven't dug that far into it. I was, I went far enough into look and see that they're all available on Kindle. And I'm like, God, I can get down with that if I have to. But next step now is to definitely look for the books because I got to have them on my shelf, man. It's, I mean, there's no better way to revisit your childhood and reading those books if you can get the closest thing to what you held in your hand when you were eight, nine, 10 years old. Like you noted, man, even, even with Wild at Heart and Dogma that are more faithful to the book series than The Wizard of Oz was. Again, we're not ripping on it. We're just, yeah, it's just, we both have, I mean, here's the thing. Let's be honest now. The Wizard of Oz movies are, was our gateway into the books. There's, I mean, there's no, I mean, for me anyway, I just can't see how anybody can not have read the books and not been affected by the movie beforehand, but that's fine. I mean, how much have we ever been introduced to early on? That's something that's a little more mainstream that allowed us to get into the original to, to the source material that was like, wow, man, why didn't they do X, Y, and Z? Why? There is something in, get the fuck out. You said to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, because now look at, look at right there. Look at the scarecrow, dude. I know. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, dude. Yes. Anyway, I, I don't want to, I don't want to digress into that. That's for later. But give me a print. I want a print of just that. That scarecrow man on that uh, on the scarecrow of Oz cover, dude. I mean, and this and the and the Tin Woodman who we only see one time in this movie, and he's turned to stone. Yeah. Oh no, you see him later um, on when he comes when he's reanimated. Oh yeah, right. You do see him at the end. Yeah. Quick, um, and then I was kind of like, well, you know when they're having their big Star Wars celebration at the end. Yes. <laughs> or he's like going. Ewoks. I love like going. Man, are they put the Tin Wood the Tinsman off this side. I'm like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> You're not part of the story. But you do see him. He's there. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. He's like, I don't care about you. <laughs> uh, but she does the same thing. I mean, when she says goodbye and she's and she hugs the lion and she hugs the tinsman, but it, it was just kind of it's like an afterthought. She's more concerned right. about about Scarecrow. Yeah, totally. But he's the only one that's the most in danger. Everybody else is frozen. Right. Exactly. And what does he say? I'm not real. I'm not real, yeah, dude. Again, something else I just thought about. When uh, Dorothy's explaining how the Tin Woodsman became a Tin Woodsman, oh, he cut his his, his axe was enchanted, and he, and he kept cutting off his body parts, even his own head. I was like, God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> no, 
No, wasn't that before they took her? No to wonder the, they that that's before they yes, yeah. that's before they took her <laughs> to the fucking to get electroshock therapy. <laughs> like this girl is possessed. Take her to the fucking shocker. Oh, it's so fucked up, man. Yeah, man, totally. I mean, this movie is dude. This movie is nothing but fun. I mean, I, I had no problem sinking right and going right with it. And usually, you know, I'll I'll pause it and do go. I did not pause this movie. And I never, I never got up the whole hour and 53 minutes or whatever it ends up being. Like we talked about earlier, but man, what a fucking great, I mean, this movie for me, this movie is just as good as I ever remembered it being. I mean, for me, there's no, I could watch this movie now and be like, what the fuck was that? There's not, I mean, it, it holds up this dark Disney thing, man. I'm, I'm super excited that we're doing this and I'm very excited to get to these, uh, these other three movies, especially after this one. Yeah. Because the dark Disney that, you know, I mean, these, and it's funny because the films we're going to talk about almost bankrupt the studio. Right. (laughs) And the funny thing was out of all the movies that we're going to talk about, this one is the youngest. This is the one that's the most recent. This was, yes, this was like, this was like right at the end when they're like, no, we can't take (laughs) one more hit. (laughs) There's a thing we should point out too. In 1954, Walt Disney bought all the bombs remaining Oz books and they're, cause they were going to use it as a TV series. And a few moments ago, I was going to say the series needs to be made into a limited series right now. How the fuck is it not in production? Even pre-COVID, it should have been going. Right. And one of the things about this production was they were, their rights were going to be exhausted unless they made something. So in 1980 is when they went into production with Walter Murch, when he kind of, when he said, Walter Murch said, Hey, you should make, you should make another Oz movie. You should make Return to Oz. And that's when they started working on it on and off until they finally went to production in 1984. Yeah, dude, why isn't this a series? It's a series of books. It's, or it's already screaming, make me into a limited yeah. series. Right. I wish somebody would do it. I don't even know who owns the current rights to it. I don't think know if Disney still does. I would imagine that they, maybe they do. I mean, they seem to own everything, but I mean, <laughs> I, I would imagine they do. Or who knows, man? Or who made the what? Who made the uh, the Sam Raimi one? I mean, what studio was that? The, you know, with Franco as Oz. Uh, dude, Disney. Yeah, it is. Okay. I was hopeful for the movie. I was really hopeful that they were going to... And it is very much an amalgam of about four of the books. Oh, I lost you. I'll keep talking. Yeah, dude, I was really hoping it was going to be something special. I mean, it's good. I like it. But it took repeat viewings before I I really liked it. But it made money. It made yeah, it, no, it did. It made a, almost half a billion dollars, which is great. Won, some, won, won a couple of Oscars, too. It's not bad. I, I appreciate the fact that it's it lifts liberally from the whole book series. That's what, again, just like with, with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's why I like elements of it more than I like Willy Wonka because I have a connection to the, to the literature, to the source material that just doesn't, isn't talked about in the musical versions of both these, both these series, both Oz and both Charlie. And just like with, the, with, with this movie, with Return to Oz, it's an amalgam of a couple of books. Well, so was Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka was an amalgam of both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Great Glass Elevator. Since we're talking about Oz and film versions of it, yeah, Oz and Great and Powerful is not bad. You wish it was something better than what it was, but it's right here. I'm going to do this thing. 
it's better than Wizard of Oz. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue. It's but again, I'm not shitting on the musical. I just have more of an, a connection to the books, and you get more of that here, right? And the thing is, Sam Raimi made it his own. As did Walter Murch. As did Walter Murch. That's what's kind of saying. Like he didn't take from Walter. Walter didn't take from anybody else. Right. Return to Oz is deserves more accolades than it has. You know, it was definitely recognized. I mean, it was nominated for visual effects in 1985. Yeah. And when when everything had effects. Right. For it to stand out the way it did. Yeah, it's a it's a great looking movie, man. I mean, it, you know, the, the world they created definitely, you know, between matte paintings and practical builds and stop mode. I mean, it, you know, it's it's quite an expensive movie for the time, and and again, it's it almost you know it was almost the end of, of Disney, yeah. man, because but we and we can get into this more as we go along this month about you know with some of the other choices because you know. One of them is early in the dark Disney. I mean, here's some, here's a couple of title. What a couple of things I want to say about the dark Disney thing. I, I'm going to ask you because we're not, these are things we're not covering, but could possibly, is Tron considered a dark no. Disney? No, it was just no? considered a Walt Disney picture. I was I wouldn't consider it dark. I mean, I consider it terrible. <laughs> what about the, yeah, I don't like it either. I'm not a fan. What about the black hole? That's kind of dark Disney. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, and we leaned I mean, that on that for one be. a little bit. That was the, that was the Danny right. Parsival of our fourth choice. Right. So now, you know, it's not. <laughs> so now, you know, we're not going to be covering the black hole, but yeah, it's funny. But didn't we, didn't we consciously choose not to use a black hole? Because I think we both thought we yes. were going to, it's too farcy. We didn't want to be one to, when we do dark Disney, we want to be, we want to live in that dark. It wasn't dark. Right. In the way that. It, just, it was no. just in that period. Right. It's just from the time period. It's not, yeah, you'll see when you hear, the, you know, when you, when we get to these other movies, it'll be like, oh yeah, they, they, there is kind of a theme and they're all very dark, especially for kids, man. And they were kids, you know, Disney, that's Disney made was kid movies. You know, that's the reason that they the coined the phrase, give me the Disney ending. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. it's a, you know, it's like a generic term for happy, slappy, dappy endings. I want to make sure that this is emphasized. We talked about it. I talked about it watching the movie numerous times and with other people since I watched it again recently. Twice, I watched it twice this week, but watched it again last night. Michael Sundin, who is the actor inside of TikTok. Oh, dude. This guy was very, he was a 23 year old gymnast when he was hired to be inside TikTok. Now, if you, once you watch the movie, you're going to go, wait, how, who, wait, I thought, see, cause I had, I ended up doing a little quick deep dive on Google, trying to find more about TikTok. You think you're not going to be able to find much about it? the movie's 1985. You know, good luck finding BTS for it. I found some, but before that, I found a really cool website that would have these great high resolution images of the TikTok suit, all the details of it. And like you noted, it's at Lucasfilm the, at the ranch. Right. I shouldn't say Lucasfilm, but it's up at the, Skywalker. At the Skywalker ranch. You think when you see this, because we've all seen enough of these behind the scenes, that's probably some, you know, somebody walking on their hands. It's, it's hard to tell because there's lots of unique things like that. You know, it's funny, Corey. I always assumed <laughs> it was an automaton. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe it had some wind up gears in it. And it was some kind of thing that they, they could wind up 
And, you know, it would do the limited, you know, it, it could take steps. And then, then they, but I was like, man, they must have, that must have taken them forever to shoot it. Right. It is very similar to an automaton only that there's a, but there's a human being <laughs> is the wind up piece inside. It's that video you sent me was fucking crazy. I had never seen that before. Digging around after I found those photos and reading description, how Michael Sundin was pushed inside of this, even with the very descript text that I had coming across that video that I sent you and seeing it, I'm like going, oh man, just like with Dorothy <laughs> in this movie being tortured at the fucking asylum, so was Michael Sundin getting shoved inside the TikTok suit. He would have to climb into the suit. He had his boots that he had on had Velcro on the bottom. So they would stick to the inside of TikTok's actual feet. So when he walked, yeah, he wasn't losing connection. He, they shoved him in there to where his head was between his legs and he looked at a fucking monitor and he walked backwards. Right. And they strapped him into that position so that he, well, obviously you can't sit up in that suit anyway, but they, dude, yeah, they had to put those straps on him basically to restrain him in case he did try to, you know, I, I would imagine so he wasn't hurting himself. Yeah. So weird, man. So weird, Dark Disney. He would, um, they don't talk about it in the video and I will put it in the show notes. If you see the link in there, that's what it is. It'll take you right to this YouTube video. Yeah. It is crazy what he went through. And when I, and before I got to the video, I, I was reading through the site where he couldn't go more than 15 minutes early on. And then eventually he got to the point where he could be in there for a full hour, but they would open it up as the puppeteers were talking about it, they would open it up and all the steam would come out because he's in there sweating balls the whole time. Yeah. And they said the sweat was just sitting there. It would, it would go down into, into the legs and it would just, just, it would just puddle out. Now in the video, they don't talk about that, but in the video you see him when they take the lid off later, that that shirt that you saw him get in there that was completely dry is just look like it came right out of the washing machine. Right? No (laughs) doubt, man. I was like, holy shit. And it's so weird, man, seeing the way, you know, he's also, not only is he, his head between his legs, dude, his leg, he's kind of bow-legged, like he's riding a horse. That's because of the position of TikTok's legs. And it, it's yeah dude just watch i don't want to i i can't even no. do it justice you just gotta yeah click the link everybody just check out the uh check the check this out because it, especially if you've seen the movie yeah click it right away if you haven't i would say maybe you watch the movie and then click the link just yeah. because uh it's fucking unbelievable yeah. man michael sundin is the unsung hero of this movie <laughs> Right, because TikTok is like may- maybe the most endearing character of all of all the new friends that Dorothy makes in yeah. Oz. You know, God, dude, there's just some great lines in this too. Like when uh, when TikTok goes a little nutty because you know she has to wind up his uh, thought process, but his speech is still working. And then Belina says, "Well, how could he talk if he can't think?" And she's like, "Oh, people do it all the time." <laughs> so good, and her delivery is great. <laughs> yeah, man, and it's for a ten year old to just nail that like that this is a really really fun movie i'm really like i said before we got on the air this is probably in the top three for me in the top three movies that we've covered in the hundred and whatever episodes we're into at this point i didn't want this movie to be over i was just like damn 
from the lunch, from the moment she shows up and grabs the lunch pail tree, you know, when she sees those wheelers, you know, all the way through until the very end. Uh, I, I, I have to say this. I, I don't want to go beat by beat, but I do have to talk about just the, the freakiest sequence in the whole fucking movie is when they go to Mombies. And I don't want to ruin it no. for anybody who hasn't seen it. Is that sequence not as scary and terrifying as anything you've ever seen in anything? Nope. I mean, man. When you see the jack-o'-lantern from John Carpenter's Halloween. You know. <laughs> you've been warned. Right. <laughs> if this they're warning to... <laughs> you in reality or in this alternate, in this reality, you're going to get to to Oz. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I want to not, again, I don't think we're getting too much into this, but with Jack and his head being separate, just like the jack-o'-lantern was right. in our time, in, in our reality, obviously. And it's also Bomb's tribute to the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I know, I right. know what it's called. <laughs> the Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a book that, it, you know, by the time it came around to being animated by Disney, had been around for 140 years, something like that. Yeah, at least. But when you think of Legend of Sleepy Hollow, do you not think of the animated short? Always. So here it is, Disney. Again, again I, I, it's just super clever. And and it's not that they're not beating you over the head with the stuff. It's no, just no, like no, no, not at all. And it's isn't things I saw when I was sixteen. Hell, when I was twenty five, I didn't see it. Right. But seeing it now as an adult, you see those things where the the, the filmmakers at the time were the ages we are now. Walter Murch was maybe a little bit younger than we are now when he made this. He was almost fifty. Yeah. Well, there you go. If you grew up with the Oz books and you've never seen Return to Oz, this is your true adaptation of those books from bomb just just 100%. Yep. And there's so much love and care put into this that it is kind of a, a bummer that it didn't do well better in the theaters, but it's definitely found a following over the years and honestly, just because Disney owns the rights to it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they thought, "Hey, we should put that on Disney Plus." It's been on Disney Plus since the day it launched. And I can't tell you how many people I said, watch Return to Oz, watch Return to Oz. I tell everybody, watch it. If you've never seen it, watch it. And then, and then of course, once we plan our dark Disney thing, I'm like, maybe I should get around to doing what I've been telling everybody else to do for the, like, the last year and a half. Right. Watch re Return to Return to Oz. And we did. And it's fucking better now. Yeah. It's probably better than I remembered it. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I'm just saying it was a good way to kick off dark Disney, especially just... Yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't, can't even put into words my love for this movie. I've always loved it, and it's funny because people who love this movie really love it, dude. And you, and you know, when you mention it to somebody and you see their their fucking eyes, you know that they, you know that you're like, okay, yeah. Because people, there's two, there's two kinds of people: people who are literally like, oh yeah, or people who are like, never seen it, right. <laughs> I, I've never met anybody who's seen it who's like, oh, that sucked. I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> You know, it's not that it's like either like, you're like, oh shit, you just brought up fucking return to Oz. Let's talk. Or I've never seen it. So I think if you're out there listening, you haven't seen it, you have Disney plus file, just sit down, pour yourself a cocktail, eat some gummies, whatever your thing is. And then just sit back and enjoy the shit out of this. I wanted to throw some random trivia out there. Both Faruza Balk and Emma Ridley. Emma Ridley is the girl, not the dead girl in the hospital, but she's also 
because it's two realities. She is Princess Ozma in this. But they were the only two kids in the entire movie. Yeah. So, of course, they had to dance around the whole limited hours thing you have with you know, due to child labor laws. Fruza did all her own stunts, but Emma did not. She had a stand-in for some stuff. And what's interesting, too, is that she was dubbed. Emma Ridley, her, her very thick British accent was dubbed by Walter Murch's daughter, Beatrice Murch, because they wanted Ozma to have more of an American-sounding voice. Sure. And it makes sense. I mean, shit, it's... <laughs> Kansas. Yeah, man, right? And Dorothy wouldn't have heard British accents. <laughs> no, not a lot of them. Yeah, although it is kind of funny that uh, because the only person who does in Kansas who does kind of have a little bit of a British accent is uh, Nicole Williamson as the doctor. Yeah. You know, when we when we meet him in Kansas, a little bit though. And it's it, it doesn't really come off so much as an English accent, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. It just comes off as a very proper accent. Yeah. And perhaps he was a, a well-traveled man, or perhaps he was run out of everywhere else and just ended up in Kansas because he was shocking kids. Interesting also, too, since we're talking about kids and labor laws and things like that, there was one point when they are filming reshoots because they redid the Emerald City stuff that Feruza Ball collapsed due to high onset temperatures. Oh, wow. Child endangerment, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Probably from falling in that river. Wow, man. That's just crazy. Yeah. This movie, if you've never seen it, you're in for a treat. It really is super enjoyable. And if you have Disney Plus, you're look, you're set. If you don't have Disney Plus and then haven't never used your seven-day trial, it's waiting for you. Go do that. Absolutely. I mean, if there if there was ever a reason to have Disney Plus, it's this, in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. There you go. Holy shit. We kicked off Dark Disney with, I, as I was watching, I thought, man, this is going to be the perfect one to kick it all off. And I was, and I feel pretty strongly about that. So if you want to follow us on Letterboxd, I'm actually at Corey underscore Culp. And if you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. Again, oh, we were inching closer and closer, by the way, to April and listener choice. Oh, I can't wait. We still don't have our fourth movie picked yet, so. No, we don't. If you want to join the fun, go reach us at patreon.com slash KITG podcast and join us. If you'd like to follow me, you can still follow me at Letterboxd as Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom, C-O-D-Y, Cody. Cody. 